the success, the long-term success of a client, um, they measured it, you know, based on client happiness, how happy they were with their purchase. And they, they rate all these different criteria. And they were surprised to find that they, they, you know, big things that you find, like when somebody buys something, what makes them happy with their purchase? Is it the product? Like what they actually buy? No. Is it customer service? No. The number one thing that determined the success of the client relationship was the buying experience. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back for the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. I'm here with Eli Wild. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm happy to be here. I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. We're um sometimes I always talk about weather in the beginning because it's just a natural thing. But in San Diego, I always tell people it's not always the postcard. You know, we get that marine yeah. layer and then it's like never goes away. So when the sun comes out, it's game on. And today's one of those days. <laughs> yeah, you'll have a uh, June gloom coming up. I lived in Los Angeles for a really long time. Oh, then, you know, with that feelings, it's just like, I, I, I got to get out of here. Palm Springs is one of the main reasons why that place became what it was. Yeah. So yeah. I thought I'd kick something back for you. And for anybody here that uh, hasn't heard of Eli, a sales specialist, um, you have a great story behind that. I look forward to kind of pulling that out if I can. Um, and then you also have some staple people that you've worked with. We could bring those up too. But I always like to kind of go back a little bit and see if you could pull this. It was a post that you had created a little while back. And you'd said, just had an, a four-hour dinner. That's the way family and friends are supposed to connect. Grateful. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And I've had many more since, but yeah, you know, it's just, we live just these busy lives and to go deep and connect. I, I love it. I, um, I just spent this weekend, my buddy Marcel Klein put on an event. Um, Chase Hughes spoke, I'm really good friends with, and this a new friend, uh, his name's Bedros, but they call him Spidey. He's a mentalist. And so it was a young audience, but we just, you know, we love this stuff and watching and critiquing each other and um, just seeing all the insights. So it was, it was like, I had a three day dinner with them. And of course we went out to dinner at night and my business partner, who's Eli also, uh, he came, my business partner has the same name just to confuse everybody. Well, that makes good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I love it. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought that up. Yeah. It's kind of, and the reason I brought it up is, you know, being in sales and things like that, a lot of, and this has always been, you know, fast sales, trying to get to the sale. But also I think what I saw in that post was, you were generating relationships. And I'm sure that even 2013 with there, you've probably nurtured those relationships over the years and profited from them or just had great stories with them. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, a buddy of mine. I was supposed to speak at an event this weekend with Gary V, um, but I just mm -hmm. I had too much going on. But I was supposed to, you know, I, I come into events and I'll be the last speaker and I close out the sales and I'll speak somewhere in there just to add pure value. So I'm not just seen as like the last guy coming on because mm. I am going to, uh, push those final sales the last little bit. And so they've got to have a connection with me and I've got to be framed appropriately. So there's a syntax to events and there's a syntax to sales. Um, but, you know, I was saying to my friends, it's like I almost have too many friends. Like nobody knows really who I am because mm. I've never done any actual marketing. Um, we're, we're, doing, we're launching something now and we've got some things that we're doing. But I've got like, I, we're going to do a JV launch kind of like Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi did where they made mm. 40 million bucks um, sure. I've got all those emails and systems and all of it, but it'll just be, you know, my content, but similar JVs, but I've never tried to launch anything. And just off word of mouth, I've, uh, you know, people reached out to me and I've got friends that do the same thing that I do that are, that are uh -huh. very good. 
Um, but even some of their best clients have reached out to me and said, Hey, can you do this? We'd rather work with you. And I don't yeah, tell yeah. them that, but, uh, you like the story you reminded me of Chris Stapleton, you know, his story is like, I was in the background the whole time. And then he decided to come to the front stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah. He's amazing. Dude. I saw him. it really funny though. Like I saw Chris Stapleton in concert and it was the one of the worst concerts I've ever been to. Now people oh, could say that work. they went to a great one, but I felt like he like got in a fight with his wife and he had to go home real quick. <laughs> Oh, that that happened. Yeah, wow. But he he was a great. He he his music's incredible. I got I got another one for you, and this goes back, and I think that we can kind of anchor off this. But um, it was a while back as well, and actually, it's ten years ago. Um, but I think it probably holds still. He said, "I find a few things more annoying. I find a few things more annoying than an attitude of entitlement. You earn respect. You earn rapport. You earn the ability to take a day off. You earn your paycheck." You earn your body, you earn your passionate, loving relationships, you earn your results. And when you do what's necessary and get those rewards, they feel so much better, deeper down because you know you put in your time correctly. Yeah. How does that hold up today? Man, and uh, one, I got to be careful of what I share on social media because it can catch up to you. But I got your back, one. brother. And, I got uh, your back. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one. That, that holds true. I, I tell you, I went on a date not too long ago. And this person just like, like, who are these people? You know, just so entitled, just the, the worst attitude ever. It's just such a, a turnoff in, in every way. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta earn it every single day and put it out there. And, you know, it's, uh, I'm, if ever get like a, another tattoo, I, you know, it'll, it'll be, be this. And I, I, I would used to draw this all the time as I'm doodling and on my wall, kind of like a, a red arrow going backwards and a green arrow going forwards and a blue dot in the middle and just reminding myself that's where I am every day. And then just like another, like a black dot slightly into the green to remind mm. myself just to move forward. Cause you know, in, in my life, I've definitely had times where it's like, I work really hard and I'm pushing and I'm grinding and I go far forward fast. And then I like rest or I do something dumb. And then it's like, like people will starve themselves on a diet and they get in shape. And then they'll, then they'll binge on Sunday and they're right back to zero. And so they worked so hard. They, they've moved so much forward and back. And now they're right back at the starting point. The only difference is they're exhausted. And so if I could just focus on just a little bit each day, it's just always a good reminder to get 1% better at what I'm doing each day and that I've got to earn that little bit yeah, as opposed yeah. to just, you know, and sometimes I, I, I loved, I watched the uh, Undercover bill, Billionaire with Grant Cardone. And, sure. you know, it's cool at that level. Amazing. Couldn't use his name. He just like had to go out there and get it. And, you know, and didn't you, didn't you feel like him for a minute? Like, I kind of was like, I could feel you like this would happen yeah. to me too. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it was good. It was humbling. And he wanted to quit a bunch of times. And I think it was cool. They, they showed all of that because, you know, he's, he's so big and he talks about money and he doesn't, doesn't connect with his audience that well. Uh, so the right audience, he does well, but a lot of people are turned off by him and, and his, and his sales skills are not the best. You know, I think hopefully even he would say that, um, cause they're, they're based in car sales and from the eighties. So it's it, sales evolved a bit, but you know, his mindset is just amazing. And I was just going to say, ball. do you think it was his just ability to push through? I mean, do you, do you think he just pushed through the noise so hard yeah. that that sales technique worked. You think that uh, he's just reps charisma, you know, For he, sure. the things that do make him good, he doesn't teach. And the things that make him good aren't necessarily teachable. 
you know, there are aspects that I mean, you can definitely make somebody charismatic. And um, I was talking to my buddy and we had this argument, not, not an argument, but a conversation about a year ago, like, can you actually make somebody more charismatic? Is there a way to train that? And we found out there is, uh, and you definitely can. And so now it's something that I, when I work with clients one-on-one, we, we actually train on it. There's, there's about 15 different aspects of, of uh, unconscious communication that makes somebody perceived more as an authority and more dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we train on those things. And when I work with uh, speakers or even salespeople, I'll break them down on video and I'll show where they're, they're not connected, where mm-hmm. they lose their confidence, where there are erratic or moving in a way mm. that lowers their social stance, like, you know, or, mm-hmm. or just like, you know, just not really present. Sure. Uh, sure. You know, it's move, movement, confidence, uh, movement, appearance, confidence, connection, and intent. And so we break down some of these things and uh, measure people on it. And, you know, a, a great example of somebody, you know, also uh, gratitude, enjoyment, leadership, dif- discipline, and confidence. This is a different type of confidence, though. Sure, uh, sure. So there's confidence that's measured two different ways. One is your internal and one is that outward perception. And so we, we look at all of this and yeah. it frames somebody's communication and a great guy to model, uh, love him or hate him, it, polit- President of the United States, um, Bill Clinton. And oh, yeah. in his heyday, yeah. like nobody could connect yeah. like Bill Clinton. There was yeah. this, this warm, genuine, sincere you know, and so you, when you see amazing behavior, um, and this is a tenant of NLP, you find somebody, don't just model what they say, like in sales, like what's the script? What are they saying? Grant Cardone, like what are they saying? But you want to model their, you know, and this is an NLP, you know, thing, their, their belief system, their mental syntax, and their physiology. And so their belief system, what do they believe about people, about themselves, about communication? And so, so we start to unpack that and through a process, you can install these beliefs in people mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and having a feedback loop where people measure themselves, that's the best way to get, get great at anybody. It's, it's, you know, coaching where you get a feedback Repetition. on your performance. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. What, um, kind of going back a little bit, cause everybody's story and your story, you then became an entrepreneur in those, in that state, but that wasn't your original state. I think going back, you'd done some modeling right before that. Yeah, you know, I I had moved to LA, and yeah, I'd been living in my car for a while. Then I get a job selling dental products, and I had a bunch of you know opportunities, but they were like weird things, or some guy wants to take pictures of me, something like that. And just I was really kind of turned off by the whole industry, and I, I got cast to be in like the biggest movie ever, and I, I didn't get it, and but I, I connected a lot with that Hollywood community. And it was still sure. just on my mind. And then, so later on in life, I actually went for the modeling and acting stuff. And, um, and that was after I worked for Tony for a few years, got on a billboard in Times Square and, you know, started book stuff. And then, you know, life happened and, and all of that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like, I, I love that song that Grant, Car- that Grant, not Grant Cardone, uh, Garth Brooks has. Yeah. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered oh, yeah. prayers. Ah. And, you know, it's like, I, I see some of these actors, I mean, I, and living in Los Angeles, I see like this beautiful man or this beautiful woman, artistic, creative, can speak well, oh, yeah. elegant, flowing, and he's waiting my table. And then, and then oh. I'll see him months later and he'll book the gig. But you see a lot of these guys, they book that initial, you know, series role or whatever, and they get paid a hundred grand or 200 grand. Like I've made a lot more than that in a day. 
now. And I'm just like, Ooh, boy, did it. and yeah. you know, you're like starving for scraps. And I, I actually, what phased me out of the acting was a buddy of mine had me watch a documentary. Um, are you familiar with uh, Robert Evans? You know who that is? Mm-mm. He came to Hollywood, young man, and just he was so charismatic, so good looking. Uh, he got himself in some movies and everybody hated him. And uh, well, long story short is this, he, uh, he produced the movie Godfather. You've heard of the Godfather. Of course. So that's, that's all him. Um, so he, he basically took over Hollywood. And yeah. what happened was he got to Hollywood and he was so charismatic, so charming and met the right people, got in all these movies, but he had no real acting skill that he was very charming. And one day on set, the act, other actors pretty much just boycotted the film because they didn't want him in it. They were given the cold shoulder. And then, cause he, cause he was like, just came out of nowhere and they yeah, didn't yeah. act with him. And every, it just like erupted on the, on the set one day. And it was pretty much just like the movie was done. And then he heard one voice and it, and it goes, the kid stays in, in the, the picture. picture. Yeah. I know. And, and he right there in that moment. So not another actor or director opened their mouth again mm-hmm. and the movie was made. And he said to himself, what the hell am I doing as an actor? I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy where I say something, everybody shuts their effing mouth and goes back to work. He's like, I, I don't even, I, like, it was like the voice of God. He was like, I want to be that. And yeah. he found out that was the producer, the ones that produce things and own things. And, you know, as an actor, I mean, the, the ones you hear about, like The Rock or Brad Pitt, they, they produce a lot of their films. They realize that's where the money is. And as an entrepreneur, yeah. you, you want to be an entrepreneur as you have control. And as an actor, you have zero control. I, I booked gigs and, you know, I'm, I book it, I'm like this, you know, six, two white guy. And they say, oh, we're changing the thing. We're going to put an Asian girl as that spot, you know? And, and uh, now, you know, you know, so much is out of your control regardless. And if you're, if you're like, there's few exceptions, Matthew McConaughey just came to one and he just booked everything. And, yeah. But there's like one in a billion and they're tough odds. So you have to really love it. And even then I have- Did you transition? That- did you go from like, because from what I hear is that you were modeling, um, you know, it, it was it was uh it was feast or famine you just figure it out right you keep going that road and then the guy that's the you know the the uh, your waiter he becomes something maybe but when when you made that transition did you fig did you like look at going into because those are two different things one is i mean i don't say it like this but you're selling your body right you're selling the figure you're you're yeah. selling what you've put together right um and then the other one is actually selling your like vocals and things like that was there yeah. like a did you, this is kind of an interesting question. I don't know if this will, I think it'll resonate, but did you find an insecurity when you got so much attention as an attractive guy, as a model, and then you're to everybody's telling you, no, like, I don't, you know, cause you get rejection after that. Right. Or did you like build that yeah. muscle in well, when I, you were doing modeling? I only wanted, only did the modeling just to mainly get pictures. I, I was acting. And so that you have, got it. Got it. All that. I was, I was cast in 2000, I guess it's 2004 to be mm-hmm. Superman and Superman yeah. returns. So it yeah. came down to me and a couple other people and I didn't get it obviously. And then I was like, you know, and I, I looked at a lot of the criticism, the coaching that I got from acting. I didn't, didn't enunciate words and, you know, and I, I wasn't clear in my communication and I did mumble and I was, I could see the insecurity in me and I, and there'd be change of direction where you see somebody who's very charismatic on stage. There's a confidence, there's a freedom mm-hmm. because they feel safe to go off strip and, and be in that creative mode. And if you're fearful and insecure and self-conscious, you can't be expansive. And that takes away the magnetism. And so Got it. all of that shows up even in even in pictures, 
not just film in somebody's eyes, the way they connect to that camera, the way they, they don't care that it's there. And, uh, you know, we've all got pictures where somebody took a picture of us and our eyes are like really big. And we're like, <laughs> it's the look on the yeah, face. Yeah. You can see what's behind the eyes. What's behind the eyes is I hope I look good, you know, as opposed yeah. to like the, the best look to have in your eyes as something that one of my friends said when I was acting for headshots, having this look in your eyes that says, I know something that you don't know, like some mystery and some certainty. And there's a thought and a belief that comes through uh, in that, that energy. And, you know, for me, I, I began to really get curious about the internal workings of what makes somebody how they are. And so in that, in that time frame, um, I wasn't a good communicator. I, I mumbled, mm -hmm. I stuttered, I, all that. And I started to really work on my communication. And, and then somebody said to me, we should check out NLP. And I got really wow. into it. And then somebody said to me, well, you should check out this guy, Tony Robbins. And I was like, got it. who's Tony Robbins? And so yeah, I saw yeah. Tony and I went through that process, worked there a few years, came back to LA. And now I had all this confidence and got I it. wanted to get into acting, but I couldn't book anything. I was 30, 31 years old. And yeah. um, there was this dude named Greg Plitt, fitness model. He passed away a few years ago, but he, we're from the same town. We're like the same age, everything. And this guy's like an Adonis. And he booked this one gig. And there was so much publicity for that. It like set his career. So I was trying to get the yeah. audition. I found it was came up. I, I submitted like 20 times and they wouldn't give me an audition. And cause I had no real, I had some headshots and all that, but you couldn't get in. Yeah. And it was, it was a professional dance show. So it was like the lead Abercrombie model, Versace model, like a bunch of, they, they put a billboard of you in Times Square and they basically made you famous overnight. They put billboards around you all over Los Angeles and you got all these sure. opportunities and you're on TV, like Chelsea Handler, like long story short, they had another role for like the speaker to introduce Hunky Santa and the sexy Santa guy. And so, I, so I, I submitted for that. I got into that audition. They liked me. And I said, well, hey, I really want to be the main dude. They're like, you want to be the main dude? Kid in the so picture. Like, All right, we'll, we'll submit you. And so they put me into the main audition. It was at 800 dudes, all like, it was like the best looking dude you've ever seen. And it goes from 800 down to 100, down to 30, down to eight. And I made the final eight and it was televised. You had to dance, take your shirt off. And then there was an interview and the final eight are there. And it's like, literally like, I mean, these guys are studs. They, I mean, I was probably the worst dancer and I was not the best in shape. These guys were all better looking than me, all had more experience than me, all in better shape than me. Ah, come on, everybody, everybody felt the same. When you're on the oh, stage, yeah. you're like, this guy's better than me. <laughs> I mean, these, these guys, they were, they were pros for like their whole they were life. Pros. This, they were pros. This, this is what they did. And they had yeah. like big campaigns. They had done lots of experience. And so we went in the last part was the interview. And you know, I listened at the door. First two guys go in, I listened at the door. And they asked him like, why do you want to do this? And you know, I listen. he's in there like five minutes and they ask the next guy the same question. And he's in there like five minutes. And I'm just like right there outside the door. I'm like, they don't get it. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to win. I was just like, I'm totally going to win. And I went in there next and I was in there about 45 minutes. And uh, they asked me why I wanted to do it. So when they asked all these other guys, why you want to do this? And so if anybody listening, same thing with a job interview, same thing, same thing with anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, most people are all about themselves. And I took this into my selling ability. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. But, you know, it's people don't care about you so much as they care about themselves and what you can do for them. And I know in that interview, I knew what they were looking for because Hollywood, this modeling, oh, it's a business. Mm -hmm. It's a business. And so they asked these guys, why do you want to do it? 
big opportunity for me, a lot of publicity for me. I get on Times Square billboard. I get this, I get that. It's a good opportunity. I'm acting, I'm doing this. Here's what I'm interested in. Here's what I think is a good stepping stone, all that. And they asked me, you know, why I want to do it. And so it was basically, it was a dance show inside of like a big mall. And it was, you know, this, this whole dance show with all these, these girls and everything. And, um, you know, and it was like in the mall and it was around Christmas time. And so they asked me why I want to do this. And I said, well, when you think about Christmas, when you think about that time of year, yeah, we have that magical moment on Christmas day, but really for me, and I don't know if maybe this is for you as well, there were so many magic moments leading up to that moment. My parents got divorced when I was young. So I spent time with each parent and we would often pick out, you know, I would pick out a, a gift for mom with dad and for dad with mom. And we would go to the mall and seeing Santa Claus there and being around that energy. Like if I could be somebody else's magic moment, we had so many together while shopping and I have those memories. And if I could be a part of that memory for somebody else, that would just, I mean, that's why I'm here. And they were just like, that was a good answer. And so everything was like, so like they're asking me all these questions and stuff like that. And there was like, at one point, guy had like tear in his eye. He was like, I was going to say, someone's crying. Yeah. (laughs) And there, I was like, I was like, I got this. I was like, I nailed, I was like, I I just knew, I just knew I walked out of there. I was like, it was like, you made it bigger than yourself. Right. You're like, look, I'm just a part of it. And because you see the joy in it, they're like, this guy wants the joy. It was an emotional connection. And I clearly said, um, I said, you know, these, I said, first of all, I complimented all these guys. I said, well, first of all, I'm just humble to be here with all these other amazing men. Like some of them, I mean, like any of these guys are great choices. Like you really can't go wrong. Um, However, I I will say this. um, I don't, I know they have great modeling and acting and dancing and all that backgrounds. I'm a professional speaker and I know some cameras are going to be on me. And so just want to let you know that if that's important to you, to make sure that your public image and the, the right thing is said and there's no mistakes. I've actually been trained in that. And so anything you wanna talk about, I'm open to, but I've already been trained in it. And I understand this is a business and you're wanting to do this to produce revenue. And that only happens if people have a good experience of me, of you, the brand. And so I'm really conscious of that. And I wanna let you know you're, you'll be fully safe. And so I, I want people to feel safe and certain. Yeah. And so there's, and whether you're selling yourself or anything, um, understanding the other person's point of view and connecting emotionally um, and speaking in terms of their best interest, all, all that stuff plays a part. Here, here's a, here's like a fun one. So you did, you do a lot of selling from the stage. We were talking about it a little bit earlier as well as you yep. went up just a little bit ago. Um, this might, might open it up, but I think these are the fun ones, right? Um, do you remember as you were going through a botch that you did, like as, as you were performing and trying to sell and close and things like that, do you remember one where you just botched an entire thing that you forgot and you're like, I got to get back. Cause that happens in sales. Sometimes you'd like end up somewhere and you're like, I got to get back. I lost myself or something. You ever been in a situation like that when you were on stage? It was, you know, after, after a presentation that I don't sell. Yeah. Like yeah. what was the thing I botched? You know, how when, especially when you start criticizing yourself more and more, you have enough volume, you can actually do that. Do you remember one that stood out for you? That was like, dang, I, bought, I, I could have bought or, or, or maybe your preparation was always good. Well, the thing is this, and my preparation was always good. We had a canned presentation, a script. And, you know, so we always did the same presentation, but sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And, 
you know, and, and you could blame the script, you can blame yourself, you can blame the audience, there's a lot there to blame, but it's really focusing on the solution, being resourceful, all of that. And so my, my goal was always to sell 200% of the audience, to make it so powerful that everybody signs up and they're so engaged, they want to bring somebody else with them. And so that was always the goal. Did I always get that? No, but did I do it? Yeah. And so that's always the benchmark. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of every presentation, it's what was great about it, what could be even better. And there's, you know, I spoke this weekend and I'm, you know, I do a debrief after myself and what's there, client experience, connection, all of that. And sometimes you have time constraints as well. You have other people in the room. You have, yeah. if you're doing it in a company, there's a lot there out of your control. And so you want to always, go into it with as much, uh, you know, they say the devil's in the details because the things yeah. you don't account for will yeah. be, you know, we're going to come up. So I, I was really blessed, you know, as far as, I mean, I definitely have ones that I blanked, but the last several years, I didn't blank any presentations, you know, and I, I generally, if I was there, I mean, I'm trying to think to back in my younger days, I, I definitely had lots of presentations where I didn't do any. And one of my mentors at the time, because it's like in sales, you know, you, you got to sometimes there, and, and I learned a couple of things from Tony later on in my career where like once, and I'll explain what it is to everybody, but once yeah. I got this one thing that he explained for me, my sales like quadrupled, but in sales, there's three different postures essentially. And I'm a nice guy. Like I'm super nice. And even, you know, and I was, I was so sensitive and, and, you know, and caring and connecting that's, that can be great at a time. And now I've learned to be really dominant and pushy, like a Grant Cardone, or like some of these guys, mm-hmm. maybe Dan Locke. And yeah. that's good at times. So the key skill is sensory acuity and behavioral flexibility. Easier said than done. Acute sensitivity, because sometimes I need to be here, sometimes here, sometimes there. But I was always kind of equal in, you know, and there's there's a pendulum to um, this, this energy that we give of dominant or whatever. But it, I spend most of my time in composure. And I had a really good, just like that, that explanation of what I was talking about, yeah, like my center of gravity, really good. But you know, it's it, when you hear these speakers talk on stage or whatever, um, at one side of the pendulum, they're over posturing where it sounds like this, people pay me $2 million and I'm so busy and I'm so great. And, you know, I was just doing this. And, you know, so that's based in fear. That's mm-hmm. based in fear. I need you to see me. I need, I have a mask and I need you to see me as my, my mask is really great so that I don't have to deal with you or that I have to, whatever, um, or the other side of it. And this is where more where my presentation was. And this is where the feedback was, where I, where I botched them. In stressful situations, you're, say you're at composure, people will over posture and get dominant and mean, do you know who the fuck I am type thing? Yeah. Or they go the other way into collapse. And especially when I started selling for myself and when I started um, I would go into collapse where it'd sound like this, like to have me come in for a training, um, it'd be, you know, 30 grand for a day. And that wouldn't all go to me. That would go to the company. So um, it's 30 grand for a day. But then when I break off, you know, from Tony and yeah, I yeah. do a training and I'm selling me, I'd say, Hey, it used to be 30, but now I'll do it for 10. And they'd, they'd be paused. I said, well, well, you know, I actually, I'll do it for five. I, I actually, how about this? Um, I pay you to come in and train you. And maybe you give me a testimonial. I know I'm kind of new, but I, I'm just sorry. You know? And so I would start collapsing. And so there's this energy there where you have to be really sensitive. Early on, my energy always went to collapse. And so the feedback I got was to go strong. And so I started going strong at times. And I was, yeah. I was one note and I'd be really strong. And I'd get the people that were insecure, but I couldn't influence the people that were more confident. And so I was, I was like, you know, something's off here in the energy. So this, this concept of 
sensory acuity, behavioral flexibility, and I'll, I'll go into it a bit. Um, really, really important, but I would have a tendency to collapse. And uh, after, after one of my mentors told me that I need to push more, he said, and he says, you don't know how hard you can go until you've gone too far. You don't know what too far is. You know, it's so, interesting you say that. And that just kind of a plug on that. So uh, the first time when I started in sales, it was I started in car sales, you know, and I'll never forget this is I just basically walked up to him and I was like, you know, I'm having a problem with selling. Oh, no, I said, why is it that, that was it? Why is it that I can only sell to, um, to grandparents that have grandkids, like where they're like 18 and they need to get a, get a car? And why can I only sell like 22 year olds that have a job and we have to like figure out the financing? And he looked at me straight in the face and he said, because you haven't figured out how to sell to adults yet. Yeah. I was like, wait, what do you, you know, you go out and go, what do they mean by that? You know, you're trying to figure it out. And then I realized that there's a different position. There's a different energy. There's a totally different approach that it goes to that audience compared to the, you know, going down negative side. It's like you're saying. Yeah, yeah there's interesting. There's, there's this, and with salespeople that, you know, I, we're, we're launching an NLP course for sales because I've taken so many NLP courses and it's all this anchoring or visual auditory kinesthetic. And it's not, not that that stuff's useless, um, but it's practically useless for sales. But there's a underlining skill of having a strong identity and at the same time uh, having this, you know, the, so there's all successful people have this, uh, it's, it's, it, it's called a narcissistic quotient where they believe like they're almost, you know, I don't like to use the word entitled, but like they, they have divine intervention, like they're supposed to ruling the dominion, like they have this ownership over other people's problems and challenges, and they see themselves as almost godlike, like I'm here through divine intervention to be able to help you. And these people with a bit of that mindset, it's come somewhat uh, sociopathic, but at the same time, they're so delusional, like everybody's delusional. Because, you know, we, we often say like, Anything I tell myself about a future outcome, I made it up. So I could say after this podcast, I'm going to go have a drink of water. So I just assume it, but I could fall down, break my neck, drown in mm. a glass of water. Somebody yeah. could fall, come in here. So I'm, I'm just saying that. And like you, we all, we're all delusional in that way. So anything about a future outcome, I'm making it up. But at the same time, if I say like, hey, I'm going to invest in this thing. I'm going to go in this course and I'm not going to get results. I made that shit up too. So we're all delusional. And so these people are very delusional in a way that makes them more resourceful and they have a certain frame in their communication that makes them very powerful. And now the other side of it, there is, especially for really great salespeople, they have empathy and compassion and almost this, this uh, conformity quotient where they mm -hmm. become like other people. And yeah. so like with the visual auditory kinesthetic matching and mirroring, you know, I find myself when I'm around people, I start to pick up on their randoms a little bit. Like I, and I can talk to this type of person, this type of person. And I'm almost, I'm not like completely different people. I'm still me, but there's yeah. an element of where my outcome isn't to be like them. It's to connect with them. And so I naturally start using some of their words. And it's very important to use the people's adjectives, the, the words they use to describe. Oh, that's something. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Use adjectives. So, so any words that you would use to describe something, I would describe what I'm talking about with the same adjective. So nobody picks it up because it just communication goes so fast. This is an interesting, uh, I've always interested in this topic because I think there was always a shift. I think you'd be a good person to see this ad. But as we, as I talk about, like I was in car sales and I was young, I was like 19 and you talked about Bill Clinton, you know, and, uh, what were we talking about the other day? We were talking about the boiler room, right? 
So yeah. you have this era um, with Bill Clinton. Also, there that was probably some of the starts of not all the way, but with television and the way that they can express things. And like, it was like new learning, always be closing these processes with emotional outcomes. Yeah. Where did you see the shift from like, let's say the nineties in that type of realm and attitude and things like that to now where it used to be an always be closing mentality. It was like, I've got to be able to, you know, I have this much time right here to break the ice, you know, get you to like me, you know, go through that process where do you see that that kind of made a shift? Because I remember it, they started calling it consultative selling. That was probably the, what they, what they were transitioning. But when do you remember that changing? Well, there's, there's been two big shifts. One is the internet. So we used to seek out a salesperson for a source of information. And that person was kind of like God and they educated you and, and all of that. And they had this power. Um, now with the internet, anybody can Google and they're usually going to Google you first. And so this, this research, um, you know, really, really important. And the other shift, 2008, um, trust, you know, for salespeople and all of that really took a dive because somebody selling a product or service could like that put you in a really bad spot. And so, yeah. you know, this whole concept of consultative selling, you know, acting in the needs of somebody else's best interest, it's not just, uh, it's not just morally right. It's good business because it, you know, there, a lot of those companies went out of business and, there's a, there's a research company called Huffaweight, and they just they have all this crazy data. The success, the long-term success of a client, um, they measured it you know, based on client happiness, how happy they were with their purchase, and they, they rate all these different criteria. And they were surprised to find that they, they, you know, big things that you find, like when somebody buys something, what makes them happy with their purchase? Is it the product? Like what they actually buy? No. Is it customer service? No. The number one thing that determined the success of the client relationship was the buying experience. And so if somebody has a shitty buying experience, even if you force them to do it, they're going to, they're not going to feel good about the interaction yeah. and it breaks trust. And sometimes people are like, well, thanks for pushing me into that. So there's a way I, like I still, people will be surprised. And just like when you see Tony Robbins do those interventions, he's saying you effing pussy, you know, like all this stuff. If you only took yeah. that sound bite, it sounds pretty harsh. And there's things that I've said, I haven't forbid anybody ever just shared some of that. They, they do a cancel Eli campaign because I've said some really harsh things, but it was in a context of that I'm doing it for you, not to you. And I need to, you would associate enough pain to this behavior to really cue you into the reality of this pattern of thought, feeling, emotion, behavior that you have that is ultimately going to take your life in a really messed up situation. And I need you to own that. And so, you know, and so some of these conversations can sound, you know, and, and I'm not selling widgets here. I am selling coaching. So, you know, that won't always work, but sometimes it can. And there's always a, uh, there's ways, no matter what you're selling, to be able to, to leverage that because people that, you know, they want something, they raise their hand. There's a clear desire here that they have for something. And then most people, a lot of these people, they, they go a little bit in and they have a pattern of allowing something to hold them back, not just in this conversation, but in their life. And so I will shine the light of awareness on that and, um, and guide people out of it. And that's- if you, were to, if you were to try to find, you know, a good reason on why people should learn to sell, how, how would you approach that answer to anybody? I mean, just- That question. Why should somebody learn how to yeah. sell? Yeah. Everything sells. Yeah. So I, I started a podcast not long ago. It's called the Everything is Influenced podcast. And we go into like, you got to influence yourself, then one-to-one, one-to-many, uh, then legendary influence. 
And that's like, that's, you know, not just when you die, which it is like Steve Jobs, like the, the impact that you have after you're gone, like what you leave, it could be your book, could be your kids, whatever, like this influence is happening all the time. And the, you know, the impact that you make is all about, all about your influence. But, you know, even billionaires say like the number one skill you need to learn is sales, like everything. And sales to me, it's a spiritual process because. Oh, that's you, interesting. There's, you know, just like in life as you're evolving, I, I think the purpose of life is to evolve. And we can't evolve, like even the Navy SEALs, when they do those crazy workouts, they call them evolutions, because every evolution through pain, you know, the process of evolving is supposed to be painful. That's why not everybody makes it. And we're, you know, it's this not survival of the fittest, but, you know, right now, the fact that like you're here, everybody listening to you, like where you are, like everybody listening to this, at some point in time, your DNA came from a man who was on a battlefield and survived. There was a woman at home who had to take care of shit or didn't survive. Oh, so yeah, for like, sure, right? Yeah. We are descendants of survivors, people who pushed through and evolved, and the ones that didn't, didn't survive. And so that's like in us. And now we're out of that age where we're not in physical wars so much anymore. I know there's, there's still some, but it's not as prevalent as it was. There is more peace in the world and all that. But the battle is fought, especially in business, linguistically, mm -hmm. persuasively. And to, to dominate with marketing and sales and positioning and, and to really understand of that, you know, and it is, you know, I, I don't mean to be like too combative, but it is somewhat of a war. And I have friends that do what I do and they're quote unquote competitors, but I share with them all my best stuff and they share with me all their best stuff. Yeah, I've seen you on other people's posts. You, you, you're super yeah. cool, super open about it. And I think that, I think that goes to show, I think that there's a place as you start to climb the ladders and things that you still realize there's a lot of market share. A lot yeah. of people out there, but just even being around those people make you better, right? Yeah, my buddy Cole Gordon, for example, he's just he's killed it in the space, and I'm speaking at his event uh, soon, and I'll be teaching some of the NLP hacks and and all of that, and a lot of it's stuff that Tony taught me, and you know, and it's having you know having a role model is great, and now I get to be a role model for a lot of people that were where I was, but sure, I, my role sure. model was was Tony Robbins, who's like the goat. And, you know, I started with him almost, you know, I was going to say for anybody that doesn't know, maybe you can just share the story real quick on kind of, you know, what you did for him. Yeah, I, I sold his events, same job that he had for Jim Rohn, going to companies and doing like an hour talk. And then, oh, okay. people, you know, he would do these, it's called an FSR field sales yeah. rep. And you're booking your own, it's, I mean, it's a grind and you're out there and, you know, doing this thing and you got to run the meeting, book the meeting, you're doing all this stuff. And, uh, you do these presentations and sell tickets into his main program. And then from there, he would upsell people and we had processes for the upsell, but that's, that's essentially Tony's funnel. And that's what awesome in our companies did. And we were the front lines of it going into companies and corporations. And I would do these presentations and yeah. I would, I would bring, I'd get the butts in the seats, essentially same gig that Tony had. And so that was it. And, you know, I'd see, I, it's great to have a role model and I would, I would definitely not close people and I wouldn't do well. And I would think to myself, what would, what, have Tony, what would have Tony done in that situation? And eventually I got to the point, uh, vicariously, I, I live with Tony's son and brother-in-law. And oh, I really? would ask him, yeah, so I, after a year, uh, Jarek became a roommate. And then Scott Humphrey, who's Tony's brother-in-law, now pretty much runs the company. And Scott's been a lifesaver for me. Well, I don't know what year it was, because I'm here in Solana Beach next to Del Mar. But he okay. bought that castle. He bought that castle yeah. up on the hill right here. Yeah, a long time it. ago. I can, I can walk out here by the track and see it. Oh, wow. But yeah, I remember when, when he got that, because he put that through a lot of his stories, I think. Yep. That's a good story. 
yeah, he had to do some creative financing with that. And he wasn't making much money, but he just decided that's what he wanted and he made it happen. So yeah, I'm in the process now. There's, I'm here in Wellington, Florida. And I looked about two weeks ago, I looked at the Wellington Castle. It's not, I'd have to put too much money into it, but it is a good deal. The land alone is, is worth it. And so I thought about it'd be cool to have the closer's castle. Dude, of course you'd have. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, come on, I got a castle. Yeah. <laughs> Your dating life will change. Mine. Yeah, it's a it's a little out there. Wellington is a, an equestrian community. And so a lot of horses all around. It's beautiful, beautiful property, but it's a little out there. And so I don't know uh, if anybody, anybody would come. I, they would come, but it's just out there. It'd be out there for me. Well, that's the thing. You'd have to make a decision if you want to be out there and be out there because it's like yeah. you get that you get that kind of property you're going to be investing in it so what's yeah. new with what's what's the new thing you got a podcast going right you just kick that thing yeah. off and we were chatting about you learned through some experiences in that and then um what's the what's the next kickoff you know we we did sales training for a while and did really good um you know and we have i think we have the best sales course out there but we shut it down because i wanted to focus on speaking i saw i joined a uh program with a, another mentor of mine, a guy named Myron Golden, uh, really amazing, saw what he did from stage. And I saw some of the students in there teaching the speaking stuff and they charged a lot of money. And I had gone through some of their stuff and it was well below average. And I was like, wow, if they're making seven figures a month with this, we're going to go into it because that's what I did. I've done over 3000 talks for Tony and I've done thousands yeah. of videos on my own. Felt like you're so getting I, back home. So yeah. So the speaking sales stuff and I sold from stage yesterday and so that's, that's been my wheelhouse. And just along the journey though, I've, I, you know, I've connected with a lot of people in the communication influence, um, hypnosis, uh, you know, arena. And so I've just been fascinated with language and influence and, uh, you know, whether it's change work, like turning people around, turning around companies, stuff from Tony. And so I've got a library of, all these tools and techniques and yeah. people ask, like they, they're like, wait, where should I go for NLP? And I've done so many NLP courses and it's like, it's more for a therapeutic context. There's really nothing out there with a sales context. It's like specifically, it. how do I have a conversation with somebody and get them to do anything I want with language, given enough, enough of a timeline. And my buddy Chase, for example, um, he worked uh, United States military for a long time and he would, he's, he's a real life Jason Bourne. So the fighting stuff, but also- yeah. Uh, creating something called Manchurian candidates where you can hypnotize somebody and control their mind and they become an assassin. And so that actually happens. It's a government protocol that he invented. A couple of movies, a couple of good movies that are wrapped around that. Yeah. Yeah. That one movie. called the Manchurian candidate, but he created, ah, he, he created the it. first successful one. Got it. And so, you know, when you see Tony, you're just like, man, if this guy can turn around a suicide, I, my, my aha moment when I was, when I saw Tony, at these events and I was struggling in sales. I said, if he can turn around a suicide, and just with all these cameras in his face and all this stuff, I was like, I wonder if I could use those same techniques to turn around sales. And so my last probably 12 years has just been answering that question. How do I take what he's doing, his ability to create a frame where people feel safe, appreciated, not judged, recognize their patterns, redefine those patterns, solve the problem, create the, you know, reframe the problem in solvable terms, and then link it to something. And so this, so a lot of these associations, so my, my next big thing, and we'll launch it this month, is an NLP course that is just all the language patterns, all the frames. It's like, I mean, if you read any book on this stuff, you have to read like 200 pages to get one nugget. Yeah, there's I, a lot of stuff that's out there. Yeah. yeah. 
And it's just, it's most of it's garbage. And so I'm just like, I'm just going to give it like, this is all this shit. People, you know, a lot of times when I get on these sales trips, they're like, well, how do you do this and that? And, and sometimes I'll model something. And it, my biggest frustration also with sales trainings is I would, I would go to companies and I would, of course, people always ask these questions, like, how do I handle this objection? And I'd be like, well, it depends. There was a few steps that you probably missed here. Let's dig into it. And then even then you can reframe, do all these things. And then here's what I would say. And then they would say it and they wouldn't get the same result. And they would be confused. And at first I was too, I was like, why didn't you get the result? And then I'd listen yeah, to the yeah. call. I'd hear, I'm like, well, you missed, you missed all of this. Yeah. And there's a way through framing. Um, I, I teach a lot of frames. I, I did an event with Jordan Belfort a few years ago and I was able to outsell him on that stage, even though he was the main guy, obviously. And he's, I, I, you know, as far as linguistics and all that, he's like legend, he's the best. But yeah, it's when I spoke at the event with Jordan Belfort, there's some things that I did around framing that didn't deframe him, like put him down, but I created some, a, a series of frames very quickly that, that positioned what I was gonna talk about as more and more relevant to that audience. And so there's, we, we teach about 20 frames in the program, but um, there's a, I can give a few here if you want that, yeah, that really good. shift. And so it, you know, a frame is like, if you looked out your front mirror, front window, you see some stuff and, the brain, you know, generalized, distorts, deletes information. And we have a pattern of how we see the world. So this is somebody's modeled world. But if I can get you to look out your, your back window instead of your front window, you see different stuff. And so I want to control your focus by changing and reframing. And so a couple of the frames that I did there that I'm always using, especially in videos and marketing, um, there's a best interest frame, there's um, old versus new, us versus mm -hmm. them. So, you know, I, you know, even with somebody like Jordan Belver, say Grant Cardone, I, you know, I did it unconsciously. I'm like, yeah, that stuff's amazing. It really helped me out a lot. So I compliment, I'm like, that sure, helped sure. me out a lot. But, you know, I mean, you guys might have recognized, I mean, those, those principles that he created in the eighties will always be relevant. However, who here would agree that since this thing called um, the internet, yeah. email, social media, do you yeah, think that's yeah. changed how we communicate today? So, so now they're saying, point. yeah. So what they, what they just agreed to was that's old, this is new, and this has changed. So I, I deframed that slightly as being less relevant because things sure. have changed today. So that's old versus new. Uh, us versus them, a lot of slimy salespeople out there, a lot of people that do things that aren't in people's best interest. And if you're here, it's because you want something totally different. And so you and I, like people say they're coming here for motivation. You don't need motivation. How do I know? Because you're here. It's those fuckers out there. Those are the people that, are, so it's like any behavior that I don't want them doing, because some of those people will procrastinate, put things off. So I'll label, I'll, I'll create a negative association to the behavior that is inside of my audience that I don't want them to have. You know, it's yeah. like those fuckers. And those people are always like, I got to think about it, all that yeah. stuff. Like they, they thought about coming here. You hear anybody say that they got to think about it you know, they're, they're just going to be thinking the rest of their life. So I'm That's creating, the old saying like, am I selling you or are you selling me? Cause they're, they're trying to sell themselves out of the deal <laughs> unless it's something they obviously want, but yeah. 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 So it's, it's, there's a series of frames that you can do that will position somebody's focus on what you're saying and get them to really dial in and pay attention. Uh, and then from there we can create story and build emotion into it and then get people opened up for the syntax after they've seen you as their go-to authority and the stories and things like that too, just with my, like my Santa audition, I open them up emotionally and take yeah. them through a process. Yeah. 
Well, Eli, wow, this is awesome, man. I, I, I appreciate hanging out for a bit, man. I appreciate oh, it. Yeah. I think this is super killer, man. How, how do people find you? What's the best way? I know, you know you're, uh, you got the podcast, so we got to get yeah. people over there. And then what else? Uh, wildinfluence.com forward slash go. And people can get some of my, my training for free. And we got, you know, some stuff there. I got like a syntax that shows people our structure of how we do a call, how we open, um, what we look for in the discovery, how we transition, how we pre-frame, how we create this. So it's all there. People can get that. And then mostly just social media. I'm uh, just Eli Wild on Facebook. Uh, follow my personal page, not my business one. I don't know how to access my business one, but uh, you know, my personal one's the best. And we have a, a free Facebook group. Uh, it's Elite Level Influence, which is the which the acronym is ELI. Cheesy, I know. Uh, but I post stuff in there a lot and do some free trainings. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for being a guest on the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved podcast, brother. Thanks a lot. I enjoyed it. Thanks, bud. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.